for Christ's sake, Anakin. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of For Christ's Sake, Anakin. Coming to you live to air, no editing, live to air, from, oh yeah, getting overcast suburban Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Uh, yeah, it's getting to be fall, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, summer never really kind of came and went, but uh, it's getting a little nippy. We'll see what happens with the weather. But uh, this episode, yeah, we're talking all about Fan Expo Canada. I was there on the weekend, um, and as promised, you know, I was going to do kind of a pre-convention little grab bag episode last week. Got a temp job. Uh, I had things to do in the evening. So I apologize for that delay, but um, I'm uh, here recording, uh, talking to you all about the Star Wars, and it's already episode 9, and speaking of episode 9, that's a great segue into the news, because guess what? Yep, episode 9, Colin Trevorrow is out, he's got the boot, um, just like before with the, the Han Solo film. We had rumblings from Rogue One, uh, the Colin Trank Obi-Wan film, or not Obi-Wan, sorry, uh, Boba Fett gangster mobster underground film. Let me let me read the official statement from Lucasfilm that came out just this afternoon, hot off the press. Lucasfilm and Colin Trevorrow have mutually chosen to part ways on Star Wars Episode Nine. Colin has been a wonderful collaborator throughout the development process. Here's the key. But we have all come to the conclusion that our visions for the project differ. We wish Colin the best. We'll be sharing more information about the film soon. So there you have it. <coughs> That's the, if the, by someone's count, the the fourth time there's been fourth films out of five that there've been director troubles. We know with Rogue One there there were uh, were some issues, but Gareth Edwards he played ball. Um, I don't really know what to think about this other than the one thought of it, it's pretty clear now. If you are going to direct a Star War, you are not going to be the main creative voice here. That's that need to be. They need to come to that clear sense of it. I said this before when when the whole news with Han Solo film came out. They don't quite know what they're doing because they're in this middle place between letting directors have free reign in their vision and this other model of the studios just get to dictate all based on what sells. This I don't think is entirely about what sells. It's about having this overall vision. But for someone like Colin Trevorrow, who admittedly has made some kind of very much, you know, fan service sell you know, Jurassic World was entirely just, hey, look, more dinosaur toys and an homage to this amazing film from the 90s. Um, but he's gotten some hot water about, over how women were portrayed in that film, for example. And, um, there's, there's that side of it, but there's also, these are directors, you know, Lord and Miller, this definitely came to a head with Lord and Miller. They're used to being able to have free reign and they come in and they think, oh, I'm going to have free reign. And then, oh no, Captain Kennedy comes in and says, no, actually you got to stick with what we've decided here. And. I think they it, it it feels like the way studios meddle just to sell and just to know what sells and sell a product. It 
feels that way in that for for the director let me be clear this is not what's happening this is not what i think is happening i do think there is this broader overarching vision i think uh ryan johnson knew exactly what to how to play knew exactly how to be a part of the team and that's why we can we've only heard positive things out of episode eight and um Maybe maybe the way it was going, episode eight was going, didn't fit with Contravero's vision for episode nine. Maybe, I don't know. We don't know the full details. All I know is again, I, I'm I'm obviously gonna gonna see episode nine, of course. Uh, I'm gonna probably love episode nine. Um, and 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 Alex Damon at Star Wars explained. Uh, he does this a live feed, a live conversation about it. He, I only caught a few min- a minute or so. The minute or so I caught, he pointed out, okay, this is happening now and not, you know, with the Han Solo film where it was how many months in, almost done shooting. and So, it's good that they caught it now. This doesn't look good on Lucasfilm, but, you know, they, they've just got to gotta figure figure that, you know, you can't, you get, they, they can't be hiring, frankly, directors who want to have their way. They have to, Start looking and saying, "Are you going to willing? Are you actually going to willing?" Like you know, they'll say in an interview, "Yeah, I'm willing to, to, to contribute to a team here." But the directors going forward are going to have to know that this is this new model where uh, your vision is going to ha- you're going to have to submit to this this broader broader direction that, that they're going. The standalone films. A little bit in terms of style and tone, maybe there's going to be more leeway. But we already saw if you if you don't toe the line and let like if you're going to let Alden Ehrenreich and, and Danny Glover improvise half the script that away from half the script that that uh, that was was written by Lawrence Kasdan and his son, this fantastic script apparently, you're going to get the boot too. Uh, the the statement, Star Wars statement, the Lucasfilm statement. From StarWars.com. It was nicely worded, of course. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. Anyway, that I don't want to dwell any more on that. Uh, another bit of news. So that just came up this afternoon. Another bit of news was, is uh, more housekeeping on this end. Um, finally found a great solution to my, my storage problem. Um, you know, uh, I didn't forget what the SoundCloud I blanked on what it was yeah I get why they have this pay scale and all that but Podient is British uh, so it, it, it comes out of an English company a company in England that does other things and one of the so one of the they just wanted to provide this service kind of on the side and it's a free hosting unlimited um like they've even to the point of just today I got an email saying their 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 fee structure I mean their fee structure always felt more like donate and support because we're coming together and we're providing you this to to have your voice um, please donate and that already made me want to now that I have a job of course <laughs> made me want to uh, contribute. Now they're actually going full on on Patreon, and that that's fantastic. That just shows what their ethos is, and so I'm glad to have found found them. It's 
You'll notice the change in the website, fcsa.podiance.co, not co, not com or ca, co, because I guess that's short for .co.uk or how how domains work in, in, in Britain, in the UK. But um, very glad to have found it. I'll definitely consider uh, upping my my input financially uh, because because they're being nice about it. They're being, you know, we donate out of your the goodness of your own your own heart and your own will and in your means and um, in the meantime, here have a limited <laughs> space to to podcast and so I I definitely appreciate that. Um, that gets me to another bit of news. Then just yesterday. Um, so Force Friday, we all know it was on Friday, and I was at the con, so we'll get into that in a minute. Minoc Monday, hashtag Minoc Monday, M Y N O C K Monday. Um, another great initiative. I I wasn't able to do too much or post too much about that. Um, but yeah, a lot of people feel that Star Wars fandom is about how much toys you can buy, and uh, that that's a sad, unfortunate thing because. It's not about how much toys you can buy. It's about what you love and what you what you gain, grow from the films, from the stories, from the family that is Star Wars fandom. Um, and so My Knock Monday is about looking, talking about here. Here's some free or cheaper ways. So a lot of people saying go to the library, pick up the movies, pick up the books, pick up the comics from the library. Um, I well, I ended up posting on the Star Wars Blips uh, on the YouTube page and on Star Wars YouTube page and or, or yeah yeah Star Wars YouTube page channel if that's the right word. Um, other things uh, yeah again podcasting <laughs> listening to podcasts uh, cheap cheap ways of cheap in the good sense more accessible ways um, and, and it's all that's always great to a great reminder that. I mean, especially but libraries are, are a public treasure that are still hanging on, uh, especially as they transition into digital or digital media and whatnot. They're still hanging on. I, uh, I've i been going through the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, this past summer, and part of them on Netflix. Some of them I, ended, I did have on Blu-ray, but a bunch of them I just borrowed from the, the local Vaughn Public Library here in Thornhill, well, Vaughn is the city, <laughs> and uh, yeah, fantastic resource. Um, I definitely encourage you look at you know, hashtag Minoc Monday, and thinking of ways in which we can all be more inclusive as a fandom in terms of socioeconomic status. We think a lot about ways to be inclusive as a fandom. Um, the whole originalist prequelist, you know, I seem to be maybe I'm a little pretty clear on where I stand on all that. What I think of some originalist discourse, if I can put it that way, but really, it, it you know, if people don't like the prequels and don't like Jar Jar, um, then okay, you know, or, or whoever, you know, that that's that's their their response. There are re- good reasons, often good reasons. I will say this right now: there are good reasons why people might not like the prequel trilogy, and. If I want them to respect the reasons I do love the prequel trilogy, I need to respect the reasons they don't. And uh, this came up actually in the Clutter Jedi Council Facebook group. Someone said, "I'm I'm not ashamed to admit it. I don't like the don't like the prequel trilogy." And it was an interesting thing because the time it's 
I, I hope it's not that the tables are simply turning. I hope that it's not um, that now people who, who prequelists or whatever are in the ascendancy and we're going to say, oh, you half-witted, scruffy-looking original Snurf herder, you know. Um, I, I do think, I do have concerns about some people who, people who are, are being absolutist about it and just unwilling to admit that this is part of the story or consider it part of the story. Um, there are deeper concerns about why someone would take absolutist approaches to life in general. That's that's a whole other discussion. Um, <laughs> kind of hinted at with the Obi-Wan thing. But, yeah, yeah. if you're honest about, okay, these are maybe storytelling beats or what happened to Padme at the end or whatever. You know, we're, we, we need to remember to be inclusive as a fandom in that good way of having these honest discourses. And that's what inclusion in fandom means to me in a lot of ways. Um, the ability to come together and, and share what we love. Um, as I take a water break. <laughs> um, so speaking of fandom and coming together and sharing what we love, yeah, I went to Fan Expo Canada and, and last year, Fan Expo 2016, um, I, it was this elated, I was elated, elated, E-L-A-T-E-D, when I got got done it, it was the four days, and, um, you know, I'd seen, we saw the, the season three premiere of Rebels, and Alan Tudyk, and my mom and I saw Brent Spiner, you know, getting our, our Trek fandom on, and um, this four days of, of just euphoric. So, this fan expo, I don't know what it was, <coughs> I was... Maybe I was too tired. Maybe I didn't pace myself. Um, I, I pushed through all the floors, all the, the convention floors on a lot of the days instead of breaking them up. <coughs> um, and the, some parts were fun. Uh, some parts were really great. The I, you know, I saw the Rebels, uh, Rebels panel. <coughs> Sorry, my throat's kind of rough anyway uh the rebels panel and, and so there's there's a bit of the news there is rebels is coming on uh, October 16th and I'll talk about the rebels panel now um yeah that was clearly the highlight uh we got to see as we thought we hoped got to see both parts one and two of uh the season four premiere first time in the world that was aired publicly uh, because it's celebration, they wanted to have it ready, but they uh, they just wasn't the part two wasn't ready by celebration. It was ready by Fan Expo, and I know Dragon Con and Salt Lake Con were happening at the same time. But hey, Dave Filoni was here <laughs> in Toronto, and I got amazing seats and waited in line for for three hours. It was worth every minute. Two three hours around there, worth every minute waiting in line sitting down talking Star Wars with a great Eli Vanto cosplayer if you've read the Thrawn novels. Really good job. Um and yeah that series premiere. I I, I don't usually I'm not usually very I'll, I'll just my kind of non spoiler review here. I'm not usually very expressive when I'm watching 
TV show, I like to be quiet and kind of internally by my, when I'm usually in the basement by myself, wherever, wherever I'm watching. Uh, sometimes I, 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 I definitely get excited or, or, or enraptured. This in the theater, this was in the John Bassett Theater, which is a legit theater in terms of, as in, with a stage and comfy seats and a crowd loves Star Wars and Star Wars Rebels and I, I cheered, I got goosebumps. It was everything a fan of Clone Wars you want as a fan of Clone Wars, everything you want as someone who's tracked with Rebels. Uh, it really, you know, it had all the action and the personal moments and the family moments and the, uh, you know, not so much the Jedi mysticism yet, but uh, it, it, it definitely is a very satisfying way of picking up what's come before, both in Clone Wars and in Rebel Season 3 especially, and pointing towards even further uh, capping off uh, some of the storylines that that we saw from Clone Wars, and so, uh, yeah, I won't. That's all. That's all I'll tell you. You have to wait till October sixteenth to actually watch it. Uh, if you really no, not even gonna offer. I'm not even gonna offer spoilers. Uh, by private message, nothing. Just watch it <laughs> October sixteenth. Um, when that comes out, I will give my give a spoiler review, and probably, yeah. At, make Rebels reaction to the episode uh as part of part of this podcast. Um I'll have to think about how to do that in terms of again handling spoilers because I'm pretty spoiler reverse myself and so I, I wanna encourage waiting and watching just like you know Dave Filoni he, he gets <laughs> all these questions and, and his part of his whole thing with fans that well, we got a little bit of uh, uh on Saturday morning was uh, you know, all I can tell you, but, you know, we want to all come together and watch it. And all the things I was just saying about fandom and coming together and watching, enjoying this, these stories together, it's best done when this is the first time you're seeing it as, as like the experience Saturday morning. And so, so that was fantastic. Um, in terms of faith and faith things that happen, at this fan expo, it wasn't as much as last year, or it wasn't as as to the point as last year. Last year, there was a guy I think who who was dressed up as Buddy Jesus from Dogma, and I think I may have mentioned this in the last in a few weeks ago. But <laughs> this whole thing about how he was the last person to ask Alan Tudyk, going to be the last person to ask Alan Tudyk a question, but he let someone else ask, and everyone's like, "Ah, oh, Jesus, he wasn't there." As far as I didn't see him, there wasn't that much. Wasn't that much that happened, um, but in the in the uh, rebels panel, um, two points come out. Uh, one thing is there was also Vanessa Marshall and Taylor Gray were there, and but and they they were fantastic as well, of course. Um, I, I really, especially oh, Vanessa Marshall as as Hera, um, amazing performance, amazing what's <laughs> happened her her and Kanan so far and. Some more interesting things I'll say. I think in the trailer, which you can all see on, on YouTube, they showed us that too. The trailer. <laughs> some some interesting sparks are going to keep flying with with Kara and Kanan. 
which is interesting because I just read uh, had read a, a New Dawn where uh, <laughs> I mean, all through a New Dawn, Kanan has this crush on Hera. And, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, Vanessa Marshall. So she, she said uh, you know, Star Wars had been this private, she used the word sacred thing in that she was on her own watching this by her own. And it's this interesting thing. It was sacred, but it was still limited because it was on her own. Um, and I, I, I haven't entirely processed that all the way through, but uh, you know, I processed this other, another thing that I'll talk to talk about in a second. But um, interesting that she used the word sacred in that something she's held dear. Um, and she's had this flame that she had to sustain even being watching by herself. Um, cause she didn't have people around her. Maybe, you know, I think she may have grown up in a small town where there weren't that many fans around. And so she had to do all the work of sustaining this, this flame of, of Star Wars fandom. And that, yeah, I can see how that, uh, that would elevate things in her because of all the work she had to go through uh, that she kept something hidden and it's almost almost uh not not cenobitic monasticism like monks in a community but almost like a hermit a little bit holding the flame close uh home flame of prayer close um like obi-wan out in the desert as, a, as literally a hermit <laughs> And then as they're holding the flame of the Chosen One close, and we know that Obi-Wan believes, Ben Kenobi believes Luke is the Chosen One. We can agree to disagree, old buddy. <laughs> um, yeah, of course, Kenobi didn't see the whole story and how it panned out. <coughs> uh, but anyway, I digress. Um, but yeah, it, it, it just it was this interesting choice of words of uh, this is something it's so important that it's it's holy and maybe maybe that that overdoes it maybe that's reading too much into it but um i think i shall all i might even tweet at her and ask her you know, what she meant by the use of the word sacred it'd be interesting and then i'll let you know uh the other thing that i think is more to the point uh so in the in the, in the trailer you see uh you see these loth wolves yeah loth wolves yeah the giant giant wolves with these interesting platter black patterns on their nuzzle and their face and um and and we know <laughs> was asked you know Filoni was asked why by, by the moderator why include these wolves and of course he was we, we kind of knew the answer was coming because i like wolves and i make a star wars show <laughs> um but why does he love wolves? And for him, he mentioned that for them, in, in human mythology, wolves are often taken to be, we know that they're both fearsome and scary, almost evil enemy creatures. You know, you're, you know, you're like sheep among wolves. But they're also guides and noble and these uh deeply in tune with with the earth and with with the rest of, of creation and um 
you know, it's interesting. I, I when I was a little kid, I, I loved wolves for I don't know maybe because I thought they were soft and cuddly, but uh, they they were my favorite animal growing up, and uh, maybe <laughs> some kind of nascent I don't know some early sense that they had this dignity and gravitas to them. And so Filoni said, yeah, it, that whole dichotomy between fearsome and noble and, and friendly guys, because they're dogs, <laughs> really. He says, for them, it, it's a lot like the Force. And how, and, and just like, he, what he said is just like how the Bendu is is Adalon and the Force in Ad Adalon speaking to the rebels at their base there in Season 3. These Lothwolves are are these, or this emanation of the Force, on Lothal on Ezra Bridger's home planet, um, because but precisely because they capture especially wolves for Filoni captures both the noble, gracious guidance of the Force, but also this fearsome, terrible thing, terrible enemy that could attack you and he said yeah the force is like that a little bit in that if you come to the force with uh with selfishness and hatred you're going to get to the dark side and it's going to become a weapon <coughs> in one sense but also it's going to uh going to corrupt you and and oppose you in a way and, and take you down and that's how the dark side works in a way uh, if you come in with submission and, and kindness and gentleness and you know, patience, self-control, that sounds familiar. <laughs> I don't, he didn't say those words for word, but the selflessness and the 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 nobility and the the courage and the compassion of the Jedi, ideally of the Jedi, you get the light side and it, it becomes, as Yoda says, the powerful ally. So theologically, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, that you could turn that, that could be more of a Buddhist dualism of yin-yang, um, kind of Manichaean dualism that we see in a lot of conceptions of of all religions where there are positive, active, good and evil forces in the world. And, and Christianity takes that to some degree. Um, you know the you know the the powers and principalities of the darkness of this age, but that's not really where my mind went. My mind went to, interestingly enough, here here it comes, uh, the, my Anglican theology class last year, um, and specifically the lecture on the Great Litany. And uh, for those that don't know, the Great Litany, it it has its its Latin sources, but it was considered the first, the first lit public liturgy written in English, um, written by uh, by Thomas Cranmer, I believe, in uh, I think in the 1530s. I should have checked before, but and, and it, what it was was, I mean, what all these litanies, and again, there were these antecedents in Latin, um, but for for the king to, to take this this royal procession of, of penitents uh, through the city, through, through old, through London and especially a Lenten procession of repentance and 
pleading to God to save us from natural disaster, from famine, from war and sedition, um, from the terrors that are beyond what we can control. And what's interesting there is, I mean, it's in English, and so the people could actually, I mean, this was a whole Reformation ideal, the people could could enter and, and collectively come together and, <coughs> oh God, save us and, and deliver us, you know, hear us, good Lord, and good Lord, deliver us uh, from these powers and, and not just powers and principalities, but from disasters, from conflict and strife, from judgment, ultimately. And and Professor Radner, who Ephraim Radner, who's famous or infamous, well-known theolo- Anglican theologian, you know, one of the one of the main guys at Wycliffe, I'd say. Uh, he taught the course, and his point was the theology behind the Great Litany isn't that God is evil, but it's that God is not necessarily perfectly benign and and soft and cuddly in the way that we still, we probably now more than ever want them to be. It's that the medieval, the late medieval worldview understood that that we were at God's mercy. He was not at ours. Understood that uh, we must come to him uh, with, with ourselves, souls and bodies, be a reasonable, holy, living sacrifice. Not a, not talking about human sacrifice here but that he had the god has the power to deliver us from tempest and storm and warfare and famine because he has the power and this is this is something that made perfect sense in the medieval worldview he had god has the power to to give us tempests and storms and thunder and hurricanes and allow for conflict and warfare and famine um god was god is fearsome and i do want to be careful because uh, you know there are just this past week there were a lot of suffering down in texas right now and it's not that god willed hurricane harvey to come and and, and obliterate so much of Houston and not at all that God willed all the suffering that happened in Fort McMurray and the fire wildfires last year. Um, but what Dave Floney's comment reminded me of was uh, that for the Jedi and the light side of the force, again, it just hammered this home. It's all about Submission in a way that finds our home in the will of the force. Compassion, courage, selflessness. It takes, it does take sacrifice. It takes, above all, in our day and age, a sacrifice of what is my conception of who God is? What is, of, of what is my conception of what I think I need God to do? Uh, yeah, we can be given some things, and we are given some things, and we're given, we we are shown what the love and compassion of God is. But 
the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and the beginning of wisdom. I was just reading uh, a part of the book of Job today, and Job is all about, uh, well, well, it was interesting, the passage was, um, well, actually, interesting, all about Job wanting to approach God and plead his case. And what's what's fascinating is, you know, in the ancient Near Eastern worldview, uh, in the, in that context, it wasn't so much that, oh, wow, what a God who could hear us so much as what a God who would hear us justly and be reasonable and we could trust. As we know, the way Job, if you've read the book of Job, it ends up with this incredible, basically a, mic, a divine mic drop. <laughs> um where you know, Job faces all this suffering that doesn't really have an explanation, and it's not meant to. Um, but when he starts railing against God, the real response is, God's response is, where were you when I set the boundaries of the sea and the mountains? And um, maybe this is where I want to go with this. And this is... Whenever I get asked and whenever, whenever I consider why people get hung up on you know, the whole how could God exist when bad things happen to good people and all that. How could God exist when suffering happens and all that. Um, it, it's unfortunate because that's only the question on the surface. What's really going on is a struggle really i mean and this is this is the point here suffering fear in the sense of when we're confronted with this awesome grandeur and situations where we can't explain uh, we're confronted with the limits of our reason and the limits of our ability to outline this is what should happen, and this is what shouldn't happen. Um, and and so, you know, when Ezra, I, this is what I hope, is when Ezra is confronted with these wolves, when we are confronted with both overwhelming joy and overwhelming sorrow, uh, when we walk our, our daily lives and go out in our daily lives, whether or not you believe in God or don't, I mean, any good scientist will tell you there are limits to what we can understand and and, and explain. Um, and with both, and just again, reminding why did the Jedi fall? And this is again, probably what Obi Wan on it, on his branch in Dagobah is thinking about. What sorry, what Obi Wan on his in his hut in Tatooine, Yoda on his branch in Dagobah is thinking about. They they tried to explain too much. They tried to... I mean, midichlorians, what the heck? I mean, sure, they're there, but... Why use that as the basis for what a good Jedi could be? Uh, why try and control and encapsulate? Uh, and so... You know, one thing that... That Filoni said was the rest of this, most of the season is going to be about Ezra's journey towards wherever he goes. And of course, episode eight we know is going to be, but what what Luke's journey has been 
and confronting these limits is is all about uh, about being in the face of this fearsome majesty um, so that's you know that's what i'm fascinated by uh that's what i got about out of that comment um just this one little moment but you know in light of all these natural these natural disasters over the last last few decades or years and all these this war and terror and famine and even the you know, the, the rise of, of neo-nazis in the u.s coming being emboldened to spew their hatred and vitriol i mean that to me that response there is to me is people who feel like god has actually been unreasonable to them maybe they wouldn't say it but the only reason they clamp down so strongly about that is because their very foundations are, are confronted with and crumbling uh, and revealed to be empty and vacuous, frankly. Um, foundation that the very idea that white people in America are the victims now. Um, the very idea that uh, women and minorities need need this institutional support and front of action and uh, a cultural shift to examining what their experiences are um, it, it's a confrontation I'm not justifying anything I'm just trying to understand this is what happens when people are confronted with their own limits and aren't able or aren't willing rather to accept them and you know, just like the Jedi were unable and unwilling to accept that. I mean, they said the dark side clouds everything, but then they still went off and fought that war. And so I'm wondering, I mean, just thinking about this now, if if that's part of I mean, Yoda started to hint at that in the end of season two. Uh, the, <coughs> that wonderful episode in the, the cave in Lothal, where Ezra has his vision of, of Yoda well, it wasn't so much a vision it was Yoda communicating through the force um, so that'll be that'll be fascinating to see where Ezra goes as a commentary on the world we live in and and I do know that Filoni is thinking at this level I don't know if he's thinking in specifically Christian terms but I, I do would like to think he's got some influence there he's allowing some influence there um, but yeah, I'm, I'm the, the bottom line, I'm excited to see where Star Wars Rebels goes uh, in season four and how it ends. Um, we got an exciting few months of Star Wars coming up and, uh, I, I hope you continue joining with me. You can now even download these episodes. Uh, all the episodes are finally available publicly. Um, without having to worry about limits and you could download them I couldn't get an iTunes feed because of artwork and all the, I don't know stuff if you want to help figure that out let me know um, but yeah I, I hope that this reflection was, was helpful for you um, please let me know on, on Facebook if, I, if you see the post uh, let me know Follow me on Instagram at MNEUG1138. 
tell me what you think on Twitter at NUG485. And as always, thanks for listening. May the Force be with you.